are veterinary professionals turning their backs on the big players. This week, we're going to discuss how our attitudes and interactions with corporations and large retailers may be influencing the future of the veterinary profession. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we've got a special guest all the way from the Western Veterinary Conference, although I think it's called something else now, but WVC is going on right now in Vegas, and our very own co-host is out there, and she's got some news that we're going to talk about this week. But before we talk about what's happening at WVC, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, Vegas, baby, it's it's up and running. So I hear I'm mostly tucked in my room playing it safe. Um, <laughs> it is a bit of a, a, a different scene here, not nearly as busy as I'm used to, but we're in Vegas. There's people. It's live. We're all wearing pants. <laughs> exactly. Not sweatpants either, right? <laughs> well, I think there's a lot more elastic in today's designs. I'm not going to lie. Lots of dresses. I've noticed a lot of people are like, I'm not wearing pants, so I'm wearing a dress. It's as close as I can to jammies in public. But we're out here. We're doing the thing. And the energy is live. You know, people are here. Yeah. And Becky, you know, we, we talked with Gene O'Neill, who's the CEO of VMX back in the summer when they were sort of adapting and putting on this sort of middle of the year show at VMX. It'll return in January of 2022. And honestly, it was kind of maybe a little too soon. You know, I, th- I, th- I think there were still a lot of hiccups, a lot of problems. Uh, and of course, now fast forward to the Delta variant. I mean, are people talking about COVID out there? Are they Are they concerned about potential risk or exposure? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think I, I don't want to speak for the thousands of people that are here, but I'm gonna. I I feel like it's very similar to throughout the country where it seems like people are either very concerned or kind of just like, oh, right, right, we don't do that. So I've seen some people reject handshakes from friends. Right. Um, and and I see a lot of hugging with faces in the opposite direction and they're quick. Um, and I've seen a lot of, um, really great precautions on the behalf of, of Western Veterinary Conference. Um, even have to shout out Mandalay Bay for these cute little travel bags with masks and hand sanitizer, the availability of hand sanitizer. I mean, everybody is really obviously doing the best that they can to comply, um, how they personally feel about the compliance is a little variable. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're being safe. I know that, you know, I, I certainly was, uh, I, I'm just not there yet. I'm not there for travel. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fully vaccinated, thank goodness. But the reality is I'm still not quite comfortable. I have, you know, elderly parent with, uh, you know, some medical conditions. So for me, we're still kind of, you know, in the lockdown, so to speak. Living and, and vicariously through me. <laughs> I am definitely doing that. So Becky, you know, aside from COVID, what are some of the things that are sort of being, you know, talked about? What's What's the news from the floor of the WVC this year? Well, it's such a funny and different buzz. Um, I think there's a lot of new going on. A lot of um, folks are, I feel like, are just sort of catching things up right. um, and catching up with each other. But, you know, one of the bigger buzzes that we're seeing around here is just sort of some of these 
huge movements by some of the bigger corporations in our industry to to really change the rhetoric, to really change the day-to-day, um, whether that's for technicians or veterinarians. We're seeing huge sign-on bonuses. We see tons of hiring ads all over the place here. People are really looking for staff. And, um, you know, and then obviously the the kind of co-veterous, chewy conversations happening along the sidelines. Um, I think big business, big industry is really kind of the underlying tone here. Yeah, and you know, I'd like to get your take on that because you know that's one of the things that Gene O'Neill from uh, VMX was talking to us about. About you know how now we're seeing these really big players, including like the Chewies and the Cavetresses, and of course the Banfields and all the you know pharma and food people. But you know he he said, look, we're starting to see these large companies come into the vet space. So you're seeing the same thing at WVC, maybe even more so. So when the exhibit hall opens, I think we'll be um, it will be very interesting to see kind of who the big players are that made it out and how many of the maybe smaller guys are still kind of pounding the pavement here. Um, we haven't seen Chewy show up at a veterinary conference yet, but I I feel like it's on the horizon. Right. And of course, they just announced uh, Becky to coincide with WBC. I am suspicious that they are going to open a veterinary portal. So basically, vet clinics will be able to have kind of an online store that's that goes through Chewy. So you'll have, you know, your clients can buy things from Chewy and from you. And, you know, again, I don't know all the particulars of it, but there is a, a press release. And I'm sure that you'll be hearing more about that as certainly, you know, the conference progresses. But Becky, as we kind of move into to some of those issues, you're right. There is is tremendous demand for staff. And so that's that's a big part of the of what you're hearing out there, right? Yeah. So like I said earlier, that is one of the biggest things I've seen. In fact, um, without even entering the exhibit hall, you know, there's always the banners and the signage. I noticed specifically VCA has hiring signage, like where we would normally see product examples and product right. um pitches. They're actually, um, you know, over a thousand available positions, I think one said. And so they're actually putting their hiring ads along the walkway here at WBC where we would normally see product and new things. Um, I think there's a real desperation at this point for staffing. Well, that's a really good uh, observation and insight there, Becky. You're right. I mean, we're so used to being sort of almost overwhelmed by, you know, the new thing and check out this new other thing and wait, this new thing is even better than those two things. And suddenly now you're seeing, hey, we're hiring. Hey, come work for, yeah. for us. Yeah. Hey, we're offering a sign-on bonus. I mean, Becky, are you hearing all these these tremendous sign-on bonuses that some of these corporations are offering? Yeah. And I'll tell you something that's kind of funny. I've heard a lot of debate about sign-on bonus versus loyalty bonus, right? right? So are we throwing our money at people who are just going to come on board? But what about the folks who are struggling that are already there? Um, and I think it is kind of that message of fixing things at home first, but it is such a, you know, it's a, a multifaceted issue. Um, but the the hiring bonuses and the benefits, um, you know, why you should come work for us has become like a real rhetoric and conversation, right? Because the thing about it is, is, is pay is fairly standardized. Um, there's so many things that are basically standardized across the board that, you know, teams and cultures and things like that vary. But really, you're going to have to start throwing out some big stones in a wide net to kind of catch the fish that you're looking for. So we're seeing things like increased benefits. You know, we're seeing folks like Bonvet coming out with some pretty amazing benefit packages. We're seeing folks at Banfield, you know, saying as at least from the technician side, we're being super utilized and we feel like we're appreciated and we feel like we have autonomy. And so I think there's this underlying change of, 
we have to keep our staff happy. We have to be a place that they want to work because it is not about how many times have we said this? It is not about the paycheck. (laughs) It is so much more about what happens in the day to day. And I feel like at least some of these big players are starting to really trumpet that horn, hoping to attract in staff that are not happy, not just because of pay, but more like things like culture and utilization. Yeah. And that's what we want to talk to you about, uh, Viewfinders, is the fact that, you know, have we sort of been closed minded towards some of the benefits of these larger companies, whether it's in retail or, of course, in the veterinary medicine space? And, you know, Becky, I think that's something we've 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 really tried to thread that needle over the years on the podcast. We try to be very balanced and fair to both sides of these these issues. But the reality is a lot of the big advances, I think, are being led by corporations like Bond or Banfield and VCA, right? I mean, they are actually, I think they have the resources. They see the value in retaining quality staff. So they're now, I think, the ones who are saying, you know what, if you come work for us, we're going to do amazing things to keep you here. Yeah, I think I'm going to take credit. It's been five years. You and I have been (laughs) (laughs) preaching. Maybe they heard an episode. But yeah, no, I think that's really what it is, is it's like, you're going to get paid no matter what you do. Um, You know, I just don't feel like we have this mass exodus happening because people aren't getting paid. It's the fact that they're not getting paid on top of no benefits, on top of no utilization, on top of crappy culture, on top of all of these other expectations that are put on them. And then we see these big businesses, these big corporations who have the money, the resources. And then frankly, I would argue the right people at the top who are understanding about servant leadership, who are understanding that the The bottom line is if your folks are not happy, they're not going to produce. And I'm seeing that change and that culture change happen and that conversation happen. I think one of the most outstanding, you know, to be fair, not a sponsored podcast. And let's say, you know, feel free to send us a check, Banfield. But (laughs) more and more, I have heard technicians really enjoying their job there. Um, There used to be a time where I would hear people say, I sold my soul to to corporate. Um, And that was such an ugly thing to hear, right? Like, what a sad thought. I sold my soul to corporate because I had to live. And now it's really like, I am really enjoying my job. I'm thriving in my job. I'm thriving and I'm making money and my clients are served. And I think a lot of times we have a tendency to think about ourselves, think about our culture, think about these things, but then we don't also include the client experience into that. And when we talk about Chewy specifically, this is what I think about like, I personally would want to leverage this relationship with Chewy, whether I liked it or not, because I know my clients love Chewy. You know, we regularly see Chewy sent me hand-drawn paintings of my dogs. Chewy sent me flowers when my dog passed away. I mean, we see our clients really happy with this organization and how they feel, right? It's a complete emotional attachment. There's Okay, I'm not even gonna lie. I get excited when my Chewy box box comes because there's brown paper in there that my cats are gonna love. The box can be turned into a kitty castle. So I think we are missing the boat on keeping our people and our clients happy and the way we could leverage some of these organizations that have the time, the money and the resources to do that. Yeah, and I think viewfinders, uh, you know, we've tried to, to 
share our opinion on this. And it, we, we believe in participation because we think we're going to shape the future and direction of the profession. There's a lot more to be gained by trying to collaborate and influence some of these larger corporations, which is why we're only half joking about, you know, we constantly talk on these themes than, than just rejecting it outright and ignoring it because that actually isn't going to help at all. And one of the things I've seen, Becky, certainly, you know, in my over 30 years now is the fact that the the conversation has shifted away from, oh my gosh, I sold my soul when I went to work for a corporate entity to, wow, you know, they're doing a lot of good things. And so what I hear, especially from, you know, veterinary colleagues is they, you know, they say, look, the flexibility, you know, they have wellness that programs that I can enroll in, you know, they really, there's a, a, a pathway of promotion, right? They, they give me autonomy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that, that I think independent practices not only could learn from, but are learning from. And I think that's really important because we do focus a lot on the, the, the pay, the benefits, you know, the, the, the vacation, you know, and all that stuff, maternity leave, you know, all that. But the reality is, like you said, it's really the culture that these companies, I think, are doing a good job. And, and even getting back to your Chewy example, right? Customer service above all, right? They go the extra mile. And I personally have seen so many of these stories from clients who they say, you know, yeah, they did give me this unexpected little surprise in the box. And it's meaningful to these people. It's super meaningful and it, it should be, they're spending their money. And, you know, I think so often we hear from our clients things like, you know, oh, I've spent so much money here. I should have a wing on the right. hospital or <laughs> is that them saying that they don't feel a tangible appreciation for what they are spending or the time that they're spending or what they're doing? Um, maybe in the relative scheme of things, everybody is spending that kind of money there, but it doesn't mean you don't feel like an individual and a customer and want to be treated like an individual and made to feel important for the time and the money because you've chosen at this point to spend that money with that practitioner. In in Wilmington, there is a veterinarian on every corner. I am not kidding you. Yeah. For 13, mile city, we have got a ton of veterinarians. I can now COVID aside, no one's taking new clients, but on a regular, in a regular time, you can go wherever you want to. Yeah. And so that client is, are they giving us subliminal messages or, or, or not direct messages and saying things that we should be picking up as indicators that they do or don't feel appreciated as a customer? And do we even think of our clients as customers or are they just our patients and they just do we forget that they choose to be there with us? And I think obviously corporate has a more customer, at least a whole department of customer satisfaction, right? Versus you know, they're, they're covering both sides of things. In our smaller clinics, you know, we have one or two individuals in management who are trying to take care of customers and veterinarians and technicians and CSRs, and they're juggling all of it. There's a lot more resources when we start to look at these larger organizations. But when we see our clients feeling satisfied and feeling appreciated um, and having brand loyalty, I think we need to make a decision on are we, like you said, going to get in and participate with that and help to shape the future of it or feel like we're victimized by it? Yeah. And if you think it's just going to go away, if you ignore it, I've got news for you. These companies aren't going anywhere. These are multi-billion dollar companies. Uh, but Becky, it, it is, it's a really good point about, you know, how, what, what links that some of these big companies will go to, whether it's a Chewy, whether it's Covetra's, whether it's a Banfield, you know, it doesn't matter. But, but one of the things I think that, that I remember talking about this in the late nineties, early two thousands, Back then, we were just, you know, the internet was just kind of getting cooking for online sales. And, and we knew that you had to get people to go to your store. You had to come, had, get people to come to your clinic. And now the term is cost to acquire a customer or CACs. 
And, and I think that that's really been a separating metric for a lot of these types of companies because Chewy knows that they're going to spend $100, $200, $300, whatever that number is, to acquire that customer. And they know if we do get them to come and shop at Chewy once, we want them to shop there a bunch of times to get back that return. And I think too often independent veterinary clinics don't understand that concept, right? They just kind of think that it's a never-ending supply of clients. And even if you right. lose a bunch, there's more that are going to come in. And and I think that as we continue to increase the competition, and now remember, you're not just competing with those 13 vets in Wilmington, you're competing with online retailers, maybe telemedicine. I mean, there's a lot more competitive space you know, out there that we're not thinking of. So again, customer service becomes something that is really, really important. How do you retain those customers? This is where all these extra little surprises really come in. You know, we used to talk about customer delight back in the early 2000s, and that's really the concept we were trying to get at, Becky. And, you know, I think that I think that now what's happening is the the corporate and the big retailers, they get it and they're enforcing it and they're actually acting on it and growing their businesses like crazy. And I think that the vet clinics that are stuck back there saying, nope, clients will keep coming to my door. They're probably going to be in for a, a rude awakening, you know, 2022 and 2023 when things really reopen. That's my fear. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think, you know, part of it, too, is just sort of like, how do you want to go down, right? Like, customer delight is such a wonderful way of thinking about it, because frankly, I would much rather work with happy clients than pissed off clients. Like, so if I know my client is going to be delighted by something that we did or that they're going to be happy, they're going to be happy to see me. They're going to be happy to come in. If it's always a stressful situation, if they never feel like an individual, if they always feel uncomfortable or like they're just being processed through, you know, they're not going to create a very fun experience as, you know, as someone who is participating in that experience. It's, it's a chore. The other thing I think we don't think about is the fact that we can run these people off from veterinary, veterinary medicine entirely. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they will turn around and say, you know, I am going to ask my breeder. I am going to ask that Facebook group. I, I am going to have the trust in the people who treat me a different way than I'm being treated by my veterinarian, which is breaking the trust. And, and they obviously have trust in these big organizations because these big organizations have money. They must be doing something right, yada, yada. And so when they see that, they see the convenience, they see the appreciation on top of it and the affordability, like that's a trifecta that we, why would we not go that route? Um, and if you're simply just on principle to say like, well, you're getting too big and you're interfering with the small players in my field, like, okay, but how long are you going to hang on to that thread? Right. And, and learn from it. I mean, that's really what I would encourage you to do is, is again, you know, if you don't want to participate in the change that, that is happening as we speak, then at least learn from it and say, okay, what are the best practices I can learn from a Banfield or a VCA or a bond vet or whomever, right? I mean, like, I think that's the value. And just like, you know, back in, in my day, in particular, when, you know, especially when we were growing clinics, we were looking to other industries, right? Because we didn't really see a, a good, you know, avatar to, to, to sort of, you know, model ourselves after in the vet space. I mean, there were a few here and there and we all tried to work together, but you know, we really started looking outside and, and really even outside of medical professions and say, what are they doing to enhance this overall experience for both the patient and the, the of course the client in our, our, our parlance. And, and I think that today, if I'm an independent vet I'm going to go, you know what, I may not like the Banfield Clinic down the street, but I'm going to figure out what they're doing right and how I can use that to provide a better experience for my clients and patients. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, you know, it goes back to that cost to acquire client, 
we don't often have business degrees in addition to owning and running these practices and our management doesn't. But, you know, I think a lot of times we, we don't think about the value of maintaining and retaining that client. I mean, if you are wanting to run a drive through clinic um, where you may or may not see a patient a second time in their lifetime, you, you are going to run out in the long run. There is not going to be longevity there for you or even probably super satisfaction. Right. I mean, if obviously you're a spay neuter clinic or you're in a vaccine clinic and that's what you're set up for is one thing. But like, if you're trying building that patient relationship, like, isn't that why we're here? I want to meet your dog as a puppy. And then I want to be the one to be with you when they pass 10, 15 years from now. And I think that when we look at our, if, if it's fine, if we want to make it about money, then we look at our bottom line, keeping those clients for 10, 15, 20 years is going to be a lot more beneficial than this drive through mentality and these big players know that they absolutely know that that brand loyalty, why do you think Banfield has these puppy plans from day one? Right. You are going to be in here all the time. I'm going to get to see you regularly. And the people that I know that have those wellness plans are like, I'm going, I'm going, I want to get my money's worth. I want to be there. And they have such an opportunity with that. So, um, like you said, I think we have to kind of look at what, even if we don't want to go that route and we don't want to jump on their bandwagon, I think, the smaller guys, the smaller players, the, the people that have been around the longest really need to look at the winds of change and understand that they're coming no matter what. And we really have to kind of ride that rather than resist it. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, Becky, and I know we've touched on this multiple times on the podcast, especially the past 18 months or so, but don't expect things to go back to normal. I mean, I believe that consumer sentiment, the way people have interacted with businesses is permanent. You're right. I mean, they've some things they really in, embraced and other things they rejected. Right. So I think and we, I think curbside service is something that's probably not, <laughs> not going to stick around. But my point is that they're used to now being going online, doing video chats, not, you know, they're there's a lot of things I think that stick and that's really where you need to pay close attention to the big players because they are, they are hyper analyzing what worked during the pandemic and they're going to, they're going to double down on it moving forward. So I think that, you know, I hear so many people kind of wishing for the way it used to be and it's just not gonna, that's not going to be, I mean, this is progress. I mean, this is a change. And so I think that so many people have been touched in so many ways that Becky, the old traditional vet visit that was in 2019 is not going to work in 2022. That's just my own personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, nostalgia is right, like great, right? It's, <laughs> fun to, it's fun to think about. The truth is, though, is 2020 was traumatic, right? We experienced trauma in 2020 as a society. And anytime you have a traumatic or a large shift in your situation, there is no going, but there, it is your new normal. There is no previous, you know, when somebody passes away or you have a, a d devastating disease in your life, a lot of times we hear people say, I just want to go back to the way things were. And, and there is a level of acceptance of understanding that that is no longer an obtainable goal. There will be no more the way it was. <clears throat> and you're right. So we can either jump on that. We can, we can get in that. And, and, and I think the thing that we have to think about, like these big players do is can we, can we find out from our clients what worked? Like we have to include our staff. We have to understand, but I think there is a lack of conversation with our clients to include them in our quality of care and our plan for care. Um, I think we covet it. And I think that, that we oftentimes think that they'll just do what we say and they'll like it or they'll go somewhere else. And I think that is going to be one of the biggest things we're going to have to change. People are getting more and more used to autonomy self-service, um, 
and an immediate, you know, uh, right. immediate responses. I don't want to call and make an appointment anymore. I want to do it online. I don't want to talk to you on a phone. I want to, you know, text message you. I, right. I really think we're going to have to look at these advancements that were already coming, but really got solidified when we needed to have that that space. Yeah, it accelerated so many of these changes. And Becky, you know, I think uh, as we sort of wrap up today's conversation, one of the things I've found really, really positive, and I, I'm incredibly optimistic about, is the focus on self-care, wellness, mental health. And I'll tell you who's led that. It's you guys. It's the veterinary technicians. Like you guys, I think almost in mass stood up and said, we're not going to take it anymore. You're demanding better treatment, benefits, whatever, right? I mean, so I really, I, what I think is is fascinating is the fact that you guys, and again, I'm speaking to veterinary technicians and ancillary support staff, not just the vets here at this point, you guys really said, you know what, this is important and moving forward, we want to be taken seriously, treated with respect, and we think that this is important. I mean, so Becky, that's, you guys are really pushing change in my opinion. I agree. I, I think I read an article the other day that was, you know, really talking about the mass ex exodus being more related to self-care and personal care than really anything else. And it, and it just has to do with saying I'm fed up, I'm tired and I, my cup is not full. And I really think this, you know, that COVID in general and, and having to be in lockdown in general gave us some time to sit and reflect on what was most important, um, what we really needed and didn't need. All of our spending habits changed very, like we were either spending a lot of money on Amazon or we were cut way back. I mean, I think there is a real shift in focus for people now. Yeah. And one of the things I just gave a, a lecture to vets, Becky, uh, a couple of weeks ago, an online lecture and uh, talking about I, I like to do these trends that are coming for the next year. And one of the things was that what really happened during the pandemic, especially during the economic downturn aspect of it, was people spent their discretionary income differently. So prior, they would spend their discretionary income on a movie, on dinner, you know, on sports, mm -hmm. uh, going to a concert, right? And then suddenly when those things were taken away, those funds got diverted to pets. And so I think that that's also going to stick around, right? Because people are, find that more meaningful maybe than going out to eat every night or three times a week or whatever. So I think that, again, and, you know, I, I want to applaud veterinary technicians all around the country for kind of standing up and, and, and really saying this is important because I think you're only going to make the profession stronger moving forward. Like, honestly, I think this is long overdue. And, and again, I'm, I'm grateful not for the pandemic, but I'm grateful for finally, you know, this collective mass reaching this tipping point to say, okay, we got to do things differently, which gets us back to the whole point of the conversation today is that, you know what, some of those early signals were received by these large corporations and enacted sooner than independent clinics. Yeah. And I also think in general, just this has probably always been an issue. We've always probably been having the conversation. It's just that it's now more public. We have these forums to get together and to kind of raise the noise. And I and I honestly agree with you. I want to applaud these support staff and, and credential veterinary technicians that are doing this because they're the ones that care so much about the profession they refuse to leave or at least don't want to leave yet. They're, they really want to make the fight before they go. I think the difference is in the, in the past, we have just kind of individually said, I, I'm never going to be able to change it. I've tried really hard. I'm not going to be able to change it on the level that I've been doing it. I think we have a generation of folks who have said what we've been doing is not working. Now we need to be louder. I think for a long time, and this is, you know, this ties into the conversation in a very parallel way. For a long time, veterinary technicians 
I think really looked at trying to convince veterinarians to see it their way. And now they have very much said, forget it, fine, we're going to go above you and make sure that society and organizations and, and industry sees us for who we are, because on an individual level, you won't. And I think that's very similar to what's happening in big corporations is they're saying, you know, we're moving above you, we're moving beyond you, because if you're not going to participate, we are still going to accelerate. Um, it's a difference of, of going over you or with you. Wow. That, my friends, <laughs> was masterclass in actually what's going on. I, I boy, thank you so much. Uh, any other last minute little bits of news or excitement? I mean, did you see the fountains going off? And I mean, were people walking up to the to the fake uh, Eiffel Tower and all that stuff? <laughs> Um, so last night I went to see RuPaul's Drag Race Live. Cannot what? recommend that enough. <laughs> wow. uh, it was the most out in public thing I have done in probably 18 months, but it was amazing. And um, a lot of beautiful women uh, showing their talents there and um, really enjoyed that. Most exciting, total selfish self-plug here. The Veterinary Industry Giving Tree is receiving a Bright Minds Award tonight, Tuesday. Yeah. I know at Party for a purpose. Um, so we're thankful to the Bridge Club and all of the sponsors, including Nationwide, who made that possible um, for us to get honored. And um, since we have been granted our 501c3 as of last we're really looking forward to partnering with big industries and more of our support staff members and our team members and colleagues to make sure the holidays, which are rapidly approaching, are amazing uh, for everyone. Yeah. So that's that's my big exciting news. That is so great. And I might have voted a few times. But anyway, if you didn't get a chance, <laughs> I mean, again, the Giving Tree, we will be dedicating a lot of time in the upcoming months, guys, to tell you how you can get involved to help you know our colleagues in need. And, and Becky, I'm afraid once again this year, we're going to have a lot of colleagues that need our help. And I'm grateful to have a way um, for them to, for somewhere for them to turn, somewhere to feel supported. We're family in this profession. We know it. And the thing is, is your family can extend beyond, beyond the four walls of your um, practice. And so I think that's one of the big things we can take away from COVID and missing these types of interactions. Um, here at WBC, we're seeing a lot of old friends and colleagues, and it's really great to reconnect and to remember, you know, all the amazing people that are part of our industry. Yeah, and I miss you guys. It's uh, I wish I was quite ready, but uh, you know what? I'm going to be getting there. I think we're hopefully, hopefully 2022 will be a Plenty of opportunity in the future. That's yep. right. That's right. <laughs> well, viewfinders, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, can we learn lessons from some of the large players in our space or should we just kind of ignore it and hopefully they will go away? We really want to hear what your experiences are. How, what lessons have you learned and what are the things that you're doing to innovate and create better experiences for the pet patients that we care for and the clients who love them so much? We really want to hear from you. That's right. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. And wherever you listen to your podcast, if you want to just take a quick second, leave us five stars and a review and subscribe. It really does a, a whole lot for us to get out to more of our industry professional family like you. That's right. Becky, stay safe until next week. And Viewfinders, until next week, we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.